Hello, this is Lyle Phillips, Senior Pastor at Iris Nashville, and I would like to personally thank you for downloading and listening to our podcast each week. To find out more information about Iris Nashville, you can find us online at irisnashville.com. Thanks, and God bless. You guys, that was amazing. <laughs> Who wants to do the next sermonette? Anybody? <laughs> Naomi's in? You in, Jenna? Oh, just Tony again. <laughs> Jenna's like, all right, just send Tony for the next one. I love it. You know, I think we should start doing those every now and then. What do you guys think? Because I, I get the chance to hang out with some of you guys week to week, get coffee. Maybe we exchange emails or even tweets or whatever. Like, I just think that, my iPad. Um, sorry about that. I left it there. There's also a really good book. Whose book is that? Is that one yours? Have you guys ever read this right here? I want to make a book recommendation. Spiritual Slavery to Spiritual Sonship by Jack Frost. Who, okay, whoever wants to, who wants to borrow this? If you feel like, if you're like, I need to read that. Come on, this, I'm telling you, this book right here changed my life. It's so powerful that like as you read it, it's like the Holy Spirit jumps out on you. I'm, I'm serious. Like I would recommend that book to any of you guys because it's, it really did. It rocked my world, like, big time. It really will. It'll mess you up. Anything about, like, the Father's heart, I just need to prep myself, get a box of Kleenexes on standby, because I'm going to weep. <laughs> weep and wail, right? Um, but seriously, sermonettes. Sermonets, yeah, we should do more of those. I love that. <laughs> yeah, Absolutely. I, you know, I feel like we have a really cool opportunity tonight, and, and here's why. Tonight, uh, this is the first weekend of spring break, or it's the end of spring break. Which one? It's the first weekend of spring break. Every year when spring break comes around, there's usually like fewer people here on Sunday afternoon when spring break happens because a lot of people go out of town on vacation college students go home. There's a lot of people traveling, that sort of thing. And, um, you know, I thought, wow, what a cool opportunity that we have to be here. We kind of have an intimate time together. And um, during worship, I was like, man, I'm, I feel like I just want to be like super vulnerable, like with our family and just almost kind of have like a family talk and, and chat. And uh, one of the things that I wanted to do, if you guys would allow me to just have a moment of simple courage, would you guys give me that permission yes. to be courageous? Yes. How many of you guys know that being vulnerable is one of the most courageous things that we can do as human beings? Like being vulnerable. How many of you guys would say that you're just awesome at being vulnerable? <laughs> yeah, I believe that. Yeah, I believe that. Yeah, yeah. There's a few of you guys here that are naturally more vulnerable than others. Um, but I think for most people, yeah, Michael Hart's good at it. I, I feel like that I'm good at it to some extent. Like I'm a Southerner, okay? So as Southerners, like our mannerisms are like, we're, we're, we have a bent towards vulnerability, but it's, it's not as deep as we would like you to think it is. <laughs> yep. You guys know what I'm talking about. Southern hospitality. It's like, hey, what's up? Like, let me hear your life story. Tell me about your passions. Like, let's just go deep right off the bat. And that's not always authentic. Like, I think owning your story and being really vulnerable about your shortcomings and the things that you struggle with is probably one of the hardest things to do. 
And one of the reasons why I think it's so difficult is because there are very few people in our world who have earned the right to hear our story. And when it's time to be vulnerable, the best people you can talk to are the people in your life who have earned the right to be a part of your story. Like real, authentic, deep friendships, relationships. And like that is, Allison and I, that's our goal for this community. That's our goal for this family. Like we wanna have like real connections with one another, real deep relationships where it is a safe place to be vulnerable about our breakthroughs as well as our shortcomings. You guys want that as well? Yeah, I just, I really think it's super important, you know? And, and to be real with you guys, it's something that I struggle with, like, deeply. Mm-hmm. And one of the reasons for that is simply, be, like, given um, our position as church leaders. Like, we're not supposed to struggle with anything. It's like, you guys are pastors. You, you guys are supposed to be so awesome at being spiritual. Like, you're never supposed to struggle with anything. You guys are supposed to pray, like, several hours a day. You know, you're like reading the Bible through three or four times a year. I, I really wish that I did that, but just to be honest with you guys, we, we, we don't do that. And uh, we do read and we do pray, but, you know, very seldom is it hours upon hours a day. So I was thinking, I was like, man, I want to apologize to everyone. Just as I was opening, I was like, oh man, we should pray for people's punctuality. And I was totally like, joking but at the same time I was like no that was a jabby comment like that wasn't a that wasn't a cool thing to say I should apologize for that and so I'm like I just want you guys to know I'm sorry for saying that because if that like threw you off or anything like I apologize I'm sorry for doing that I actually think that being vulnerable realistically it's like I want our environment to be really exciting and I know that when we kick off and it's only like a third full it's not as exciting as it is when it's super full and you can like hear people standing next to you singing out loud and it feels full and it feels crowded. And then I was reminded, oh, it's spring break. Like not everybody's here tonight. And, um, you know, I just think that the more and more we do this, the more and more we do church, um, the longer we're together, the less and less it becomes about like how many people hear me preach or how good everyone thinks I do, and the more it becomes about the experience that you guys have and how you feel when you come in here and how you feel when you hear worship and how you feel when you hear preaching because Allison and I pray for you guys a lot and we genuinely want you guys to feel loved and supported and celebrated and championed and, and, and not like picked on because you couldn't make it because you're at work, yeah. okay? So that's me having a courageous moment. Are you guys cool with it? Yeah. Okay, thank you for letting me do that. <laughs> I, I, you know, I, I, a pastor, as, as we're being vulnerable, when I was younger and I was just getting involved in ministry, a pastor once told me, if you make a mistake, don't apologize for it, just move forward. Like genuinely told me that. Like if you do something wrong, just don't, like don't mention it. Like you don't need to like show weaknesses and stuff. That was part of like my mentorship. <laughs> I, just, I just think that's completely wrong. Yeah, it's terrible. I think it's terrible. And, um, you know, a lot of times we pray and we're like, man, I want to be like Moses or man, I want to be like David or I want to be like this 
this amazing general of the faith, this awesome, powerful man or woman of God that we read about in the Bible, and we forget the fact that Moses was a murderer. David was an adulterer, you know, and a murderer, you know? Like, people in the Bible, like, their stories, you know, Paul was a terrorist. Like, these great people of faith that we look up to and talk about today, we forget of what their journey and what their story was like, and it was so full of weakness. It was so full of brokenness. It was so full of mistake. It was so full of vulnerability before the Lord so that they could be healed and be transformed. And I think that so oftentimes when we think about what leadership looks like or what being a role model looks like or what being a man of God looks like or what being a good husband looks like, like we, we sort of paint this picture in our head of this, you know, monstrosity of a man that's like, you know, super fit and has the perfect diet and washboard abs and he's just killing it at his job, you know, six-figure bonuses. He has plenty of time for his kids. He's always with them. You know, he's just doing everything super well. A's just all across the board in every category. That's ridiculous. That's a ridiculous expectation because that person doesn't exist. That's not reality. That's a fantasy. And even the people who are recognized and remembered as generals of the faith would not even qualify for that standard. And so it's super important, I think, that we get real with ourselves from time to time and have vulnerable moments with people who we care about, who have earned the right to hear our story, be transparent, because in those moments of transparency, connections grow stronger and we as individuals grow stronger because we recognize our need and our dependency upon our Savior, Jesus. Does this, does this help you guys at all so far? Because it's helping me just sharing it with you, to be honest with you. I just, I've been on a journey recently and I wanna talk to you guys. I have a very funny title tonight, but I've been on a journey recently of just figuring out how to do this, right? I've been trying to figure out how to be vulnerable, trying to figure out how to like own my story. And all of that is, is really about what we sang about tonight and exactly what Allison prayed about as we were transitioning worship, which is having mercy for yourself, and having self-compassion. Because so much of our struggle in life and so much of our struggle that, you know, the enemy comes against us with and lies to us about is that we are not worthy of love and belonging. And so so much of what we struggle with is exactly that. We need to prove ourselves. We need to work hard enough. We need to perform well enough so that we can show our family, so that we can show our friends, so that we can show our coworkers, so that we can show the people that we're trying to impress that we are in fact worthy of being loved and belonging. So that's my journey right now, guys. That's what I'm like walking through with the Lord. It's like, how do we come to a place, even as a church leader, even as a pastor, even as, you know, someone who, who gets the opportunity every now and then to speak to groups of people, like, how do I um, grow in the reality that no one determines my, my value before Jesus? And how do I cultivate a sense of shame resilience as well as a sense of self-compassion? so that I can understand that regardless of my situation, that I'm worthy of love and belonging. 
It's in this context in which that happens. It's in the context of connection. It's in the context of community. It's in the context of family. It's in the context of people who have earned the right to hear your story. And that's what I hope that we can become. How do you do that as a church? I have no clue. Do you know how many people we have offended over the years by saying that we're a family? A lot. A whole lot. But we're trying. And I think that even in itself is a confession of vulnerability. That we're giving it a shot. Like we don't know how to do it, but we do believe that when we all arrive in heaven, it's gonna feel a lot like family. Because when we get to heaven, it's not gonna be about, you know, anything else before it's about a wedding. It's about the marriage supper of the lamb. It's about family happening. It's about convergence and covenant. It's about people celebrating in real connection and real relationship. And if that's what's happening there and we're praying your kingdom come, then we should be intentionally cultivating an environment of vulnerability and connection and family here upon the earth. And that is important to Jesus and it has to be important to us. You know, church is not about punching the religious time card to prove to the people we set beside that we're worthy of being recognized as spiritual and that we belong here because we know God well. We know that all of us here have a connection with God, but it's not as strong as we would all like it to be, and we're all growing in that, and we're all in process And so I think it's great for us to cultivate an environment where people can come in and be honest about that and say, you know, I'm following Jesus. I'm a disciple of his. And as we grow, we're gonna grow in connection and relationship with him and with each other. So that's like part of my journey and some of what brought this message on actually. So the title of the message tonight is, it's weird, but it's take off your coat and stay a while. So take off your coat and stay a while. This is actually something that my grandmother used to say to me. Now, I borrowed it from her. So um, if you know me well, if you're in my life at all, um, I'm a big doer, all right? I've, I've taken the life languages stuff and I don't remember everything. And when I speak at Grace Center, they're always like, you're a mover. And I, my top is a shaper, right? But I'm like super vision centric. So let's put it in like, layman's terms. I'm super vision centric. So for me, I get like 12 ideas, like big ideas that, that, that all cost money and, and human resources. And, and some of you guys who know me, you're like, wow, yeah, you do. I know you, I know this about you. And like, that's not a problem for me. Like I'm a huge dreamer. I've always got all these ideas going and I'm always moving and I don't have time. And it's like, time is always short and we just need to get to the point and get to the meat of the message and just deal with it. And that's why I have trouble sometimes like having coffees because like, I'm like slowing down long enough to listen to someone. And sometimes that's difficult for me because I'm just thinking, let's just get to it. I can fix this. I know what the answer is, right? It's not right. And I know that's not right. And I know I'm growing in that. Is there anybody else in here that's like that? And so even as a young person, even as someone in high school, like I would come over to my grandmother's house. And to be honest with you guys, I was just trying to hit her up for some cash. 
You know, I knew that she was faithful to give me a $20 bill on the weekend. And I needed that 20 bucks because I had already spent the 20 bucks my dad had given me. And I wasn't there gonna tell him that my grandma was also giving me the 20 bucks. But I would get it from my dad, then drive over to my grandma's and they'd be watching NASCAR or something boring. And they'd say, I'm just kidding. I kind of find it fun today. It's just something great to nap to. But... (laughs) You know, they'd be sitting there, and, and uh, yeah, my grandparents, I don't know if you've ever met my granny. She's about 6'3", weighs about 275. She'll kill me for saying that, but she's about the size of a Chicago Bears linebacker. And she, dead serious. It's a true story. It's, it's a true story, right? Yeah, at my ordination here, she, she clotheslined my wife. It's on Ustream. We'll have to find that. It's so funny. She's a big gal. Okay. So my dad is adopted. That's why, I, that's why I'm so small. Okay. So it's like not my, my um, yeah, it's not the gene pool. So, uh, but nonetheless, every time I would come over, I'd be like, let's get to the point. You know, Granny, I need this 20 bucks. I'm about to ride out and meet my friends you know, we're going to illegally go buy beer or something with this money. I was a bad kid. And so she would always say, hey, take off your coat and stay a while. She'd always say that. Always say that. Take off your coat and stay a while. Always, she'd always say that. And for me, I always, took it, I always took, it, took it as like, hey, chill out. Like you're always going, 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 going. You always have basketball practice. You always have somebody to meet. You always have something bad to get into because she knew I was a troublemaker. And she was like, hey, just chill out. Just slow down long enough to take a breath and have a real conversation and establish a real connection and maybe have some food and chill out and get a drink of water and just take it easy, man, because you're always go, 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 go. And you, you need to take a moment to have a breath and just come to the realization that you're with family and you're with your grandparents and we're not always going to be around for you to enjoy this time. Take off your coat and, and stay a while. So that, that's where I got the, the message title. And as of late, I can, I'm kind of finding myself in a similar situation. Not that I feel like I'm back in high school or anything, but I just feel busy, uh, busier than ever. And, and some of that is because, you know, we have a one-year-old, and he's, he's almost one. And he's a busy guy, you know. Wonder where he gets that from. <laughs> always into something. He's a busy guy. Today, he was playing in the toilet. He had all of his toys in the toilet. And, oh, yeah. Pee water all over him. So he had to wash him off, hose him down. Just, I mean, we a couple months ago, he was in our shower eating conditioner. I mean... He's just, he's a busy guy. You got to watch him. He's like his dad. But I, I feel like, I, I feel like I've been just like super busy recently. Like I've, I, I've been traveling a lot. Next month, I'm actually going to South America twice, uh, which is crazy. And, you know, I've been getting a lot more invitations to speak. And that's been awesome because it's always been something that I've wanted to do. I've always wanted to travel and preach and and I like the idea of that, like the sound of that's fun. Like, oh man, traveling, preaching to people, it's great. But in the process, I've got really tired. And um, you would think, you know, we went to Disney World for vacation, but we went with my whole family. 
And I'm like, man, I need another vacation after vacation. Anybody ever been there before, right? Just chasing kids around the whole time. You're hanging with family. You're walking the parks. I mean, by the time, you know, driving 10 hours, driving back 10 hours, you're just like, dude, I need another vac- We need to go get an Airbnb or something. Like, it's crazy. I'm so tired. And, and then straight from that, we get back and we're, you know, jumping right back in and we're not missing a beat, doing appointments, speaking engagements. You know, I did School of Supernatural Life last week. That was eight sessions in two days, one hour sessions apiece. I missed mean, a lot of preaching, man. My voice was shot and I got sick. I started getting sick. My voice is still kind of coming back. And I realized, I'm like, dude, I know why I'm feeling sick. It's because I'm tired. It's not because I'm, I've been around and I'm just, I'm just, I'm tired. I'm zapped. You know, I've not stopped. I've not rested. And I think I might be trying to do way too many um, things at one time. And one of the things that I, I, st- I began to realize about myself when I get tired, maybe it's the same about you. I start doing dumb stuff when I get tired. Like, I start making abnormal decisions when I get tired. I start having really, I'll say like wonky emotions when I get fatigued. You guys know what I'm talking about? You're like, what in the world is this? Like, I, I, I don't even struggle with this. And it's like popping up in my world when you're tired. And I, um, I started to look, um, look around at some studies and, and, and I started to consider like what was going on in my world. And um, I was like, why am I struggling with this stuff? One of the things that I, that I realized I was struggling with, I was, I was kind of Googling and stuff. I, I was like feeling angry. And that is super strange for me because my wife can tell you, I am not an angry person. I'm like super laid back, super chill. And for whatever reason in the midst of this, I've been like, I feel angry, which is a super strange emotion. As I did the research and, and you know, I'm just Googling stuff. How I many you guys do that as well? You know, some stuff you just don't want to Google, you know, because it's, yeah, WebMD, it's like, they'll tell you got cancer. It's weird stuff. But I was Googling, I was like, my snot is lime green. I was Googling that this week. Turns out it's a healthy thing, so that's good. But it's like means your body's healing. That's what they said. So, but I did some research and I, I, I came upon, it was, I think it was men's fitness or something. They said 40 million Americans today are underslept and absolutely consistently feeling exhausted. That's a humongous chunk of our population that have, that have reported that. And, you know, weariness, it really causes us to make some really weird decisions and have uncommon emotions. It's stuff that we don't even struggle with anymore, just pops back up on the radar. There's a quote I found, and I don't know who did it. It's an anonymous quote, but I think it's amazing. It actually says that when we are tired, we are attacked by ideas that we conquered long ago. And I think that's something really, really important to remember. Um, Before I met Jesus, I I actually went to drug rehab and I remember them telling me, halt, hungry, angry, lonely, and tired. Because that was actually when you were prone to make the worst choices. And um, I think it's the same you know, with your purity, I think it's the same with your holiness. Like, you know, you're, you're, you, you 
you're more on guard because when you're hungry, angry, lonely, and tired, there's emotions, there's distractions, there's things happening in your world that are not normal. And I think for the most part, it's because you're exhausted. It's because you're tired. So as I sort of come to grips with, I'm feeling this way, I'm feeling angry, I started to, you know, do what I feel like is important for us all to practice from time to time, which is invite counsel into your life. Would you guys agree with that? Talk to somebody who you trust to pastor you and that they don't necessarily have to be your pastor to speak to you pastorally, all right? You know, I find one of the most powerful experiences that I've had with people is when they come to me and they say, hey, can you pastor me for a minute? even if I'm not their pastor, and vice versa for me when I talk to my friends. Hey, can you just, just pastor me? Just pastor this, right? And then it sets them up for success, and they can come in with a place of revelation and authority to speak into my heart because I've given them permission. Totally. And a lot of times, I think the reason why we don't get great counsel is because we walk around with all of our walls up. Yeah. Don't worry, I got it all together. Yeah. And our friends are like, dude, yeah. like, you're bleeding out, man. You're zapped. You're zonked. Like, you're really in a bad spot, but nobody can talk to you about it. Because you got it all together. You know what I'm talking about? And so, so I invited some counsel into my life, and, 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 you know, they listened to me, and they were like, oh, that totally makes sense. You're angry because you feel out of control. And that's really the root of anger, is the feeling of, out of you're out of control. And that's, that's what happens when we feel out of control, we get angry. And the reason you're angry and the reason you have this dominating attitude and the reason you're trying to bulldoze everything and, and you know, put everything in its place is because you feel out of control. And, and that's your natural response. You're angrily, like dominating, taking over your life, taking over your world because you're out of control. And at the root of it all, man, you're just tired. You need to take off your coat and stay a while. You need to put up your feet and have a rest. Am I the only person in here that gets like that from time to time? Where you're literally, you come to a place of frustration and you get angry about the smallest things that don't go your way and the truth is you just feel out of control and you probably need a day off. Anybody else in here? You know what I'm talking about, right? Nobody nudge your spouse, all right? Don't do that. I really do think that the root of all this is just straight up exhaustion. And I think that we really struggle as a culture with giving ourselves permission to have a rest. I I really do. I think that so many people walk around absolutely exhausted. Another statistic that I, I found in my study this week is that most Americans do not take all of their vacation days each year. Like, however many you get, like say it's two weeks or whatever, most Americans don't take the full two weeks because they're like, dude, I just got too much to do. I got, I got deadlines to meet. You know, I got projects on the desk. I cannot check out from, I got stuff going on. I can't take that two weeks off. Can you guys believe that? You probably can, right? Most Americans don't take all of their, their days off. But the thing about walking around absolutely exhausted is that none of us can admit it. 
We cannot confess to someone with vulnerability that we've become tired because to admit fatigue is a cultural sin. We're not allowed to be tired in our culture. In fact, we have to stay busy if we want to maintain our perceived value. I gotta be going, I gotta be busy, because our culture says that busyness equals value. And if you are busy, then you must be important. Because important people are busy, much too busy to stop for anything, especially to take a rest or to have a break. Amen? Busyness has become a goal that we've adopted because we bought into the idea that busyness actually proves our worth. We say things like, look at me, I'm worth a lot because I'm so busy. I'm obviously needed around here. Busyness actually becomes a yoke that we wear and it's worked our way, it's worked its way into our culture on every level. We, you know, there's, there's like uh, cultural uh, slogans or sayings like, no, you gotta grind before you can shine. You know, I gotta, I, gotta, I, I'm, I gotta be on my hustle, man. I gotta be hustling every day. Or how about this one? Hashtag no days off. I don't take days off. What is days off? I'm hustling, man. I'm grinding. I don't take days off. What, 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 are, you, what are you thinking, man? I ain't taking no days off. I'm busy. I, I'm worth a lot. I have a lot of value. Perceive it. See it? See how valuable I am? I don't take days off. I, I'm that valuable. Let me just kind of insert a thought, okay? It's, it's, it's a total extra. But God does not have so great a need of you that you do not have time for a hobby. <laughs> okay? He wants you. He desires you. But your work that you do with him, evangelism or ministry or whatever, he does not have so great a need of you that you don't have time for a hobby. Are you guys cool with that? Okay, I couldn't tell how that went over. But the message in our culture is really clear. Rest, that's for the lazy. If you're resting, then you better prepare to be shamed. Am I right? Because we admire the busy. We exalt the exhausted. Look how noble that person is. They've worked themselves into the hospital. Man, how noble they are. The reality is most often those people are sleep deprived, they eat terribly, they struggle in their marriages, they deal with anxiety or, or depression, but they just bought a brand new car. You guys, this is the reality of the culture that we live in, right? Is, am I making sense? Am I kind of getting through? Because we deem it worth it. It's like, well, if I could just get a new house, if I could just get a new car, if I could just, you know, get that new outfit, you know, I'm, I'm trying to save up for those Yeezy 350s, you know, or whatever it is. Like, you, we justify that. We justify exhaustion. Because it's like, oh, no, we have that. Look how valuable I am. Look how important I am. Because I worked myself to sickness in order to get this thing. And that's noble, right? <clears throat> I think that if we looked around at a lot of people that we see on the street or, you know, shopping for groceries, if we could see them in the spirit, I think that we'd see them 
wearing a yoke around their necks with the word busyness written on it. Because so many people have bought into the idea that the more busy we are, the more important that we are. And as a result, that's caused us to be extremely weighed down and tired and exhausted and sleep deprived and over-medicated and self-medicating and just all of the things that we struggle with as Americans, the addiction to sugar or whatever it is. You know what I'm saying? You guys have seen the documentaries, right? I think it's because we're tired. It's an opinion piece, all right? I, think it, I genuinely think it's because people are tired. And it's not because there's not time for them to rest. It's because they won't take the opportunity to rest because if they do, they're afraid that their value in the eyes of other people will diminish and they will not be deemed as important, worthy of loving, or worthy of belonging. What do you guys think? Some people are even weighed down by their faith. Going to church, giving, serving, being a Christian in the work, workplace, making sure you evangelize, stopping for the homeless person that says, excuse me, can I talk to you when you're really in a hurry? You know, we gotta do all those things. We gotta, you know, everything, right? We gotta meet this religious quota. And some people are, are bogged down by that. Some people, they don't come to church, not because they don't wanna be a part of community, but simply because they are exhausted. <laughs> That's reality. And unfortunately, we put that yoke, we're so comfortable putting that yoke on each other. The yoke of busyness. Yeah. <laughs> right? We see people, they've not been for a month, and we turn our nose up at them. We shame them. Why haven't you been putting your time in? It's not fair, because I've been punching my clock. Right. You guys know what I'm talking about. It's like we subtly communicate to each other. You're not busy enough for Jesus. Why are you getting breakthrough? You know what I'm talking about? Well, that was the same in Jesus' day. The Pharisees were doing the exact same thing to the Jewish people. In fact, in Matthew chapter 23, verse four, Jesus addresses the way that the religious leaders and that other Christians, if you will, if I could make it contextual, other believers, perhaps is a better word, were treating others. They said, they tie up heavy burdens, hard to bear, yokes, and they lay them on the shoulders of others, but they themselves are unwilling to lift a finger to move them. This is what Jesus said about the Pharisees of his day. And it's the same as today. People are under the weight of the culture of success, as well as under the, under the yoke of the burden of religious expectations to keep up with the status quo, to be busy enough for Jesus, to be busy enough to prove to other people who believe that they're also worthy of belonging, that they're also worthy of receiving love because they are spiritual and they know God as well. The Pharisees, they were handing out the law to people. And they were demanding that everybody who believed would get busy keeping up with religious traditions and culture. And the people were exhausted. They were exhausted trying to take care of their families. They were exhausted trying to continue to farm or work in the marketplace or provide for you know, 
the, the elderly, their, their parents who now lived with them. I mean, they were, they were doing a lot of stuff, taking care of their family, and they were exhausted by these Pharisees just constantly dumping these expectations on them. And so most people had become so broken down, so downtrodden, they'd actually come to a place of acceptance that we're just not qualified. We're just not good at being spiritual and we might as well just accept the fact of the matter that God doesn't really care about us. We're not valuable. We're not successful. We're just not busy enough to be accepted. Can anybody else resonate with this story at all? Can, would you be able to say, man, I can think of a time just recently when you know, maybe somebody who didn't mean it per se, but someone religious or someone spiritual or another Christian placed this yoke of busyness on me and was like, get busy, Jesus is coming back, right? You're, you're, you're only important if you're doing this or that or this or that. You're only valuable or worthy of belonging to our group if you're doing this or that or this or that. Get busy, get busy, get busy, get busy. Maybe it's not somebody Christian. Maybe it's a family member. You know, well, you're not busy enough. You're not doing enough. What are you talking about you're taking a week off? What do you mean that you're going on vacation for two weeks? How in the world can you afford to do that? Yoke, right? Or maybe it's, you know, maybe it's a parent. Maybe it's, maybe it's a, an aunt or an uncle. Maybe it's a grandparent, you know, who you just feel them shaming you because you're not working as hard as they did when they were 31. Well, in my day, I worked... <laughs> Does that sound familiar to anybody, you know? And like, I understand that they're, they're hopefully trying to encourage us, but you know, shame seldom causes me to feel encouraged. I don't know about you guys, but, but that's, that's sort of become the norm. Get busy or get prepared to get shamed. And that's exactly where Jesus stepped in. That's exactly where Jesus came to preach and to share his good news, to share his gospel, to release his kingdom. And so he stood up one day and he began to talk to the exact same people that were being oppressed, that were feeling depressed, that had little self-compassion, that decided and accepted that they were no longer good at being spiritual, and they hear the words of the Messiah, Jesus. And Jesus, you know, he speaks out in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 through 30. You guys know this passage very well, but it's really so powerful and profound when you consider the implications of what he is saying. Jesus says, come to me, all you that are weary and are carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Isn't that an interesting passage of scripture, especially when you address it, you know, just write it and send it to our generation, to our culture. Some, some of the most overworked, I don't know if you guys have heard about this problem in Japan. I saw it on a documentary called Happy, where there's actually like a lot of these Japanese workers who are actually dying, like in the subway on the way to work because they're so tired. Like there's, there's, there's a group of, of moms and children who get together on a weekly basis that, that are they're a support for one another because their husbands have died from working too much. It's a documentary called Happy. You can watch it on Netflix. 
And they're talking about relating the, the culture of Japan and this superpower culture of we have to achieve, we have to perform, we have to be the best, we have to be on top, we have to dominate, we have to be the most successful, we have to prove that we deserve to be the number one country in the world. Like they're saying the exact same thing is now happening in America so often. Or people are tired, they're, 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 they're exhausted, they're depressed, they're oppressed. And Jesus gives these people in his day and he gives us today an invitation. And it's not just to take a day off, but it's actually to live your life in a heart posture of resting and peace. That's the invitation. That's the gospel that Jesus comes to bring. That's the good news that Jesus comes to share. He says, hey, you're being, you're being overrun by these people who are shaming you to get to work and to be busier and to work harder and to perform more, to prove that you're valuable. Well, that's not necessary in my kingdom. In fact, I invite you into a lifestyle of living from a place of peace in your soul and a place of constant, consistent rest in your mind. How many of you guys are ready to sign up for that lifestyle? How many of you guys are ready to, to, to step into a place, uh, step into a reality, step into a mindset, step into a heart posture that says it doesn't matter how much I need to get done today, I can in fact be at peace and I can be at rest within myself because I know that I'm not working for anybody's affection, that I've already received the affection of God as a result of what Jesus did on the cross for me. You guys with me? I don't have to perform. In fact, Christians are not called to be successful. We're called to be faithful. There's no pressure on our lives that we have to achieve the American dream There's an invitation to be faithful, to walk in what God has asked us to do, not to succumb to the pressures of what everyone else commands us to do because it's what they feel expected to do because of the culture that we live in. Now, I fully believe God wants to make us successful in everything that we put our hand to because he longs to prosper all of our ways. And as we commit our plans to him, he brings about success, right? But when we wake up every day thinking, well, I just better get about the business because I better be successful or else I'm not worthy of love, this is exactly what Jesus was coming to address in this moment. Now, when he talks about rest, when you look at the original uh, language, it, it, this is what it means, to stop working. <laughs> Isn't that wild? That's an interesting definition. It means to be refreshed. It means to take ease. And it also means to keep quiet. Ooh. If you're Pentecostal in here, you're not good at that. Pentecostals, we feel real awkward about quietness. If anybody, if it just gets quiet for two seconds in a church service, we have to give a, a tongue or an interpretation or we have to be like, woo, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just weird, real awkward when it comes to silence. Like gets charismatic culture all day. Seriously. It's like we, something's gotta happen. But that's actually the invitation. It's like, hey, take off your coat and just be like, oh, I can rest for a second. In, in other words, it actually also implies an intermission from labor. 
It means to stop working, but it does not mean to stop working indefinitely. And so oftentimes I think whenever we think of Christian rest or when we think of sonship or when we think of faithfulness or success in the kingdom, you know, we, we hear, you know, people tell us, you know, you, ne- you don't ever have to do anything. You're just totally fine. Yeah, for a season, you don't have to do something. But Jesus actually takes the yoke of culture off of us. He takes the yoke of performance off of us. He takes the yoke of exhaustion off of us but he invites us to take upon another yoke, which is a yoke that brings us into faithfulness with him, which is a yoke that brings us into ministry with him. But the good news about that yoke that he gives us is that it's a, it's a yoke of rest and that it's a yoke of ease, internally, not always externally. How many of you guys know that, that perfect peace is pretty hard to achieve out there? But peace, the invitation of peace, is exactly what Jesus extends to us, but from within here. Because what's going on in here, on the inside, is actually what dictates what what goes on around us. Which is exactly why Jesus could rebuke the storm, because he was already sleeping in it. I heard Bill say one time, Bill Johnson say one time, that you'll have authority over storms that you can sleep in. Because what's on the inside of you begins to emerge and dictate what's going on around you. And I think one of the hardest things for us to do as believers is allow our circumstance to start dictating our worship. When in fact we should take our worship and let it dictate our circumstance. Oh man, I'm under the weight of this pressure and I, don't, I just can't pray today. When in fact the invitation of rest in the spirit, rest in your soul, is to actually come to a place of resting and resting, like uh, breathing out with God, sitting with him, keeping quiet long enough to where what's happening on the inside can actually start to dictate what's going on around you. Because a lot of times what we think is that we can't go to work so that we're gonna have to work in prayer in order to fix that solution. Well, I guess I'm gonna have to pray and fast and pace around my house and throw salt and oil and blow a ram's horn and scream and call a prayer meeting and like do all these things that we do, right? Because that's the only thing that's gonna affect this situation. When in fact, Jesus gives us the opposite invitation. He said, it's not you going out, calling a prayer meeting, fasting for 21 days and just getting buck wild and crazy in prayer. It's actually you sitting down, kicking your shoes off, taking your coat off and saying, that's actually when work happens in the spirit. It's the foolish things that confound the wise, which is exactly why God gave us this prescription. He said, if you're gonna have rest, he showed us the first step. He said, come to me. Come to me, all who are weary, right? And so oftentimes, whenever we feel exhausted, the last thing that we do is come to Jesus. We binge watch on Netflix, we call everybody on our favorites list. We go to Jenny's because, hey, nothing brightens the mood like a two scoop. You know what I'm saying? Woo! I feel the Holy Ghost in there, man. We got to have church at Jenny's, dude. I, man, I got that black cat espresso the other night. It's delicious. But you guys know what I'm talking about? We do everything that we could possibly think to do except for go to where we know the real solution is, which is in Jesus. You know what I'm talking about? We call everybody on our favorites list asking for advice when the fact of the matter is we should just start, you know, with Jesus and pray first. 
Hey, you got any counsel? You got any advice? Can you pray? Have you talked to the Lord about it yet? That's actually the invitation. Jesus says, if you want rest for your spirit, I need to be the first person that you talk to about your problems, not the last person you talk to. Because you can go through everybody and their mama looking for a solution and still be exhausted. But you can come to Jesus first, take your coat off, take a breath and have a rest and get a whole lot sorted out in 20 minutes of prayer, more so than you can in 20 months of slaving away trying to figure stuff out. That, that's actually the nature of the kingdom of God, you guys. He takes everything that our culture says is, this is the only way to get stuff done, and he just, man, inverts that, and it's so much different in the kingdom of God, and it's like, okay, well, I must need to work to get this, get this thing to happen. He's like, no, you just need to rest and pray. This should be a little bit offensive because it's so, it, it's so contrary to what, what our culture um, tries to put on us. I'll say this last thing and, and just got one more, one more portion here and, and, I'll, and I'll close. But instead of the yoke of culture or religion that leads to exhaustion, Jesus places his yoke upon us that leads to rest. And when he does this, here's what he says, guys. He says, wear this one. This one is mine. This is how I do life. Learn from me. You know that I am gentle and humble. Here, be refreshed in your soul. You know what's interesting about the yoke that Jesus puts on us? It's his yoke. Whereas the yoke that other people put on us, they don't even want to wear themselves. They're like, here you go. Blah. Get that done. Do this or else I'm not going to like you or accept you or accept your friend request. Because you suck and you're not cool. You know what I'm saying? It, they don't even want to wear that yoke. They're not, they're not even interested in wearing that yoke. But they sure do want to put it on you. But when Jesus says, here, wear my yoke, he's like, this is actually my yoke. It's not a yoke that I just, you know, fabricated to try and make you perform for, for some love. It's actually the one that I personally wear. And because you know me, you know a lot about me. And my personality is gentle and I'm humble in heart. And so when I place this upon you, I'm not just gonna leave you to yourself. But you're gonna be refreshed in your soul. He said about the Pharisees, you put weight and yokes on people and you're unwilling to lift a finger. The good news about the yoke that Jesus puts on us is that because it's his, he helps us carry it the entire time. He's willing to lift way more than a finger. He actually walks with us to the end of the age. And so if you're feeling heavy tonight, if you're feeling weary tonight, if you're feeling tired tonight, you gotta ask yourself the question, whose yoke are you under? Is it a yoke that someone else has placed upon you? Is it, a, is it a yoke that your past has placed upon you? Is it a yoke that religion? Is it a yoke that tradition? Is it a yoke that, that, that your job? You know, who's put it there? Because if, if on the inside, it's not bringing you peace, if it's not bringing you rest, then I want you to know that it's not actually the yoke that God has for you and he wants it. He actually wants to exchange it tonight. He wants to trade it tonight. And that's exactly, guys, what I've been practicing in the midst of going and seeking out counsel, thinking, man, I feel angry about this. I feel out of control about this. It's just this, honestly, is like coming to a place of peace and rest of not trying to do anything, but just sitting down long enough to let God love on me. In the same way that my grandparents really just wanted me to sit down long enough so they could feed me. You know, I feel like Jesus oftentimes just wants us to sit down long enough for, for him just to love on us. 
for him just to share his presence with us, for him just to share his heart with us. And it's not about hearing him speak and getting some big revelation or, or you know, gifts or, or, or even breakthroughs at times. I think it's just about sitting with him. The good news about sitting with God, guys, is that you're not sitting with, with God waiting for him to show up. He's already there. When you sit with God, you're actually waiting for him to speak. Because he's already with you. When you come into a place of quietness and prayer, you don't have to say, God, show up. God, just come over. God, I need you to come be with me right now. He's with you. He's actually taken up residence in you because you're a believer, because you're his child. Just like Tony said tonight, it's good that we are reminded of that. We're not a slave to fear. We're actually his kid and he's already with us. What we're waiting on is for him to speak and to detox from that idea of busyness and that that's where our value comes from. It's such a great practice to sit down long enough to take off your coat, kick off your shoes and give yourself just 10 minutes of not doing anything. You know, I would love to just encourage you guys, challenge you guys to try that out this week. Everybody, it looks different for everybody. For me, I have a routine. My dad, he has a routine. My dad has a chair in his office that he sits in every day for 10 minutes. He turns off his phone. He does, for him, he doesn't listen to worship. And he, has, he, he, set, he even sets a timer sometimes because he's feeling the pressure that I don't have time for this. I don't have time to, I have, I have so much, on, I don't have time to do this today. But he's like, if I just set a timer and put it on my desk, and I sit down in my chair and I say, God, just speak to me. You know, sometimes you gotta take time to pray. And I don't mean take time, I mean, you gotta take time to pray. Because if the enemy has it his way, he will busy you right into barrenness. And busyness, guys, leads to barrenness. But intimacy leads to fruit. And you don't create fruit by trying fruit. (laughs) Fruit happens as you're connected to the source of your nutrition, of your spiritual vitality. And we know that that is Jesus, right? And so I wanna encourage you guys. Here's here's what I do every every week. Uh, And I I don't do it every day, but I try to do it every day, okay? And, and there's different programs out, out there to help you if, if, if you wanna give it a shot. And sometimes people think this is weird. Oh, that's Eastern stuff. And that's, you know, that's where the Bible came from. Uh, hello, right? Our, it came from across the pond. You guys do realize that, right? So just take time long enough to sit with God. I, I do this thing. It's like a stretching exercise. I know that might seem weird. I'm just really into range of motion and stretching and I have to work CrossFit into this sermon somehow. So there you have it. <laughs> But that's what I do. I stretch like 15 minutes, I do a little stretching exercise and I sit down and I put on soaking music and put it, no words, and I, and I just sit. And you know what? Sometimes that is super hard because I'm feeling, oh man, you know, we, I gotta do this or do that or do this. or do, I just gotta do all this stuff, do all this stuff. And it's so funny how Jesus is always so available to talk about anything that's on your mind oh, you, you're frustrated because you had to go to the grocery. You want to talk about going to the grocery store? Okay. Anything. The simplest little stuff. Like Jesus is totally so interested in the minute details of your life. He wants to talk about it all.
So I just want to invite you guys to stand as well as I want to invite you guys into just, just, a, just a moment of prayer here to respond. To, to kind of do exactly what my grandmother used to ask me to do, which is just take off your coat and stay a while. Just have a little rest. Just have a little break. In, in the kingdom, guys, resting is noble. Resting should be celebrated. Resting is what role models do. Resting is what leaders do. Resting is, is not to be simply tolerated. Oh, you have to go on vacation again? Bummer. Hurry back. Resting actually needs to be celebrated because resting does a lot for us, but primarily it gives us space to spend time with the Lord and to let him refresh our soul. And Lord, that's where we come to you tonight, a place of refreshing in our soul. And we just say, God, we give you permission right now to take our coats, take our hats, take our shoes. We just we just lean back for a moment of time. Maybe if Sunday is all you have to just get a rest. We just give ourselves permission right now to rest. And I want you to do that. Just give yourself permission to rest and to find space in your day to rest and to stop shaming yourself for resting. And also to stop shaming other people when they say, hey, I'm tired. Oh, you're tired? I worked 40 hours this week. To actually begin to celebrate, let, let rest be celebrated. Your kingdom come and your will be done. One of the things that, that, that Jesus says to us when we come to him is, come into, come into my rest, right? That's something that's gonna be said over us as we come into heaven not come into my come into my slave labor come into my sweatshop <laughs> Jesus says enter into my rest dude let's, let me leave you with that heaven is not a sweatshop it hit, that hit me hard man Holy Spirit Boom. So let's just, pre let's just practice being citizens of heaven this week by giving ourselves permission to rest. When you rest, you actually practice being a kingdom citizen. Because a big chunk of people who are a part of the kingdom, a big chunk of their schedule is, is, is devoted to just simply being. Man, we could go all night on this, guys, but I think that's it. I want to invite the uh, prayer team to come up to the front. And um, as we close tonight, if you haven't done it yet, could you, just, could you just close your eyes and just let Jesus, just give Jesus your yoke.
and just receive his in return. Just don't leave here without doing that. Don't, don't leave here without giving that yoke to Jesus. And even this week as you're tempted or somebody else tempts you or pressures you to pick that yoke up, just refuse. Just say no. Say, no, that's good. I already have a yoke. All right, so as we're closing, we're going to put the closing declarations or closing prayer up here on the screen. And just, this is really appropriate for tonight. So just put your hand over your heart and just receive this or pray it over yourself. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace. Bless you guys big time. We got house church on Wednesday. We'd love to have you there. Worship and hangouts in East Nashville. And we'll, we'd love to have you guys there. Before you guys leave, I do wanna, I do wanna let you know this because I, I meant to earlier, but um, you guys get the sneak peek exclusive announcement tonight. We actually found a, a facility. We found a new place. So this is, this is good news, guys. Um, it's in East Nashville. And uh, it's, it's at the House of Blessing. So I don't know if you guys have ever been to House of Blessing before, but it's an amazing church. It's actually one of the birthplaces of like the charismatic move of God here in our city. And they have given us permission to be there throughout the week to have office space and all day long on Sunday for the entire Sunday during the day, which is really awesome because we'll be looking forward to at some point beginning another morning service. We'll keep to 4 p.m., but having a morning service as well. So for all of you guys who are really wishing we had a 1030, which is probably not a lot of you, but the parents in here said amen, some of you. So, um, so yeah. Love you guys. I wanted to share that with you. Please celebrate with us because this is a huge, huge, huge deal uh, to be with these guys. And so we don't know for sure when we're moving yet. It should be in the next five or six weeks, maybe a month or something. But um, on our team night, you guys, you guys see that team night that, gets keep, that keeps getting announced? So who that is for is anybody who volunteers currently or anybody who's interested in volunteering. And we're gonna try to have that at House of Blessing. So for those of you guys who are servant, serving and, and you're a part, um, then we wanna take you there for team night. That's, that's what we're trying to arrange. If, if we don't do it there, we'll do it at the cafe over here or something. But we wanna let you see it. Take a tour of the space. And um, so if you're interested in that, love to have you there. So put it on your calendar. All right, guys. Love you much, and we'll see you on Wednesday. Bless you guys. Thanks for subscribing to the Iris Nashville podcast. We'd love to hear back from you. If you don't mind, log into the iTunes store and leave us a rating and a review. The more ratings and reviews we get, the more accessible our podcast is to new listeners. Thanks so much. Have a wonderful day. God bless.